Hey, what is going, everyone? This is Zach. Thank you for checking out me and Tom Matheny's podcast, Rocking at the Jake. Before we start the show, I wanted to talk to you guys real quick about Thrive Fantasy. You might be asking yourself, what's Thrive Fantasy? Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season, where they've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in their respective sports. They got sports like NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA Esports, and more. And when you use our code ROCKIN20 when you sign up today, you will be able to get a $50 boost instant matchup with that when you use a minimum $20 deposit. So like I said, use ROCKIN20, R-O-C-K-I-N-20 right now when you sign up and Thrive Fancy will hook you up with a $50 instant deposit match, but you have to make sure to do that $20 minimum deposit when you do so. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Google Play Store, or even by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up now, prop up today, and win some money with Thrive Fantasy. going on everyone welcome to episode 11 of rocking at the jake i am your host zach martin unfortunately tonight tom won't be joining us because he was on drill this weekend because he's with the army so he cannot be on tonight but we do have a great host tonight for the show we got the director of creative production of the cleveland indians nick gambone joining us tonight nick how are you doing man how's your sunday night been how has your weekend been uh, so far, uh, doing great, doing great. You know, we uh, had the kids out uh, playing this weekend, so it's you know we've just been trying to enjoy the last little bit of uh, weather before it turns too cold. <laughs> yeah, I definitely hear you there, but you know, I really appreciate you jumping on tonight. I know we've been talking for the last couple weeks and stuff like that, trying to nail down the times. I know for you guys, you know, trying to get everything you know finalized and stuff like that. You know, going into the off season, so you know was able to get a time down with you for you to come on the podcast. And like I said, I really appreciate it because I've been looking forward to this interview for the last you know, two, three weeks. So like I said, thank you so much for taking the time out to jump on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Happy to help. For sure. So for those who don't know, um, what do, what are, what are the job responsibilities for someone who is the director of the creative production for a team like the Cleveland Indians? Like, what do you do? Like, what's it entail for you to do in that position as the director? Yeah. So I manage a production team, which is a, you know, a small full-time group and then a, a larger seasonal staff as well. Um, and uh, within that, you know, been a long time content creator. Uh, so I fill in when needed is in our department. I actually started back with the Indians in 2005 as an intern and then kind of took over the managing responsibilities in 2012. Um, but, you know, for a normal year, 
you know, I executive produce uh, our game entertainment on game days. Uh, but, you know, our department does everything from uh, creating our commercials, our graphic design, our social content, um, which really is kind of unusual for an in-house production team to be able to take on all of those responsibilities. You know, usually something is outsourced, you know, like commercials or the graphic design. So we're really proud of what we're able to do with a small group and, and a small kind of talented group uh, of guys and, and girls that, you know, put the whole show together. No, that's really awesome. So, so what's the, what's the normal typical guys throughout the year? Like how many, like how many people do you usually have like full time compared to your seasonal? group yeah so we so we have a let's say let's see we have probably about eight of us on the full-time side and then when we bring in uh folks on a game day uh on a we'll say in a non-pandemic year that uh right Right. our our staff is usually around 25 to 30 on a game day oh wow okay so um so for the like so all the hype videos and stuff like that for the beginning of the season and then like all the highlight packages and all the graphics for you know like for the games if like they're done and stuff and all the rosters that's usually through you guys. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. So you know when it comes to some of the player specific videos the stuff that you see like you know like the guys actually putting out on their own social media um that's something that we create, you know, a lot of times for them. And then, you know, when you see stuff go out on our social media or, or on TV, that also comes from our department as well. Wow. Okay. I, I was curious about that. Like how, you know, how those get put out on a daily basis. Kind of, Cause you guys, you know, that's a lot of work, you know, just to get stuff on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff, and, you know, packages like that. <laughs> I just you guys do a phenomenal job when it comes to stuff like that. So, do you guys do like so? Did your department run the Twitter account too, with like all like the, you know, funny you know quips and stuff like that, or who's who usually uh, does that for you guys when it comes to like posting stuff and all that? Yeah, so we we have a um, social media group uh, within our um, communications department that doesn't necessarily live within us uh but we work constantly with those guys i mean it's a it's a great group of guys headed by one really uh intelligent intelligent individual but uh he uh, he has a good team around him and then like i said we collaborate quite a bit so any any of the graphics any of the videos that sort of stuff you know you know we'll we'll make those and then he'll post but all of um, wit and, and uh, banter that goes on with the account. That's all through, uh, you know, him and his team, and, and they do such a good job at that. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually interacting with those guys sometimes and stuff like that. So that's that's really that's really awesome how you know all that gets done. So on a typical year for you guys, like, what is your usual goals as a department for a creative production? Like, is there like is it the same goals every year, or is it change per season? for you guys like so what's the like your annual seasonal goals as a, as a group yeah i mean that's a great question um i, I think for me and, and my group you know it's, it's you know we always try to get better uh and you know sometimes that's through you know create you know through creativity or growing our skill sets um i take that idea of kind of growth and development really seriously and i love looking back on things to see how far we've come at times but you know the typical stuff like i mentioned commercials, graphic design, social content. Um, that's all stuff that, that are on our, our kind of checklist on a yearly basis, if you will. Um, 
but the specific goals, you know, within that kind of change from year to year, um, I'm thinking, you know, next year, you know, as we start to narrow down that focus right now, actually, you know, a lot of that'll be uh, around probably a health and safety campaign. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm putting on my personal plate is uh, you know, just reconnecting with our players, um, you know, that type of stuff that didn't really get to happen this year um, and looking towards next year, what we might need to, to just make sure that we're messaging out. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I, uh, I get that. So that's, that's, it's, it's always interesting to see like what certain departments within the, because, you know, everyone's such a big, you know, well, you know how, the, how big the Indians are with all the departments and stuff. It's interesting trying to just like being able to figure out like what are the nuances of like what every group is looking at for the whole year. So that's really awesome. So when it comes to making like hype videos, you know, like beginning of the season type stuff, like, Oh, like the, uh, the one for this year, it's like you're, when you guys drop the date of, when game one of the season starts and like getting ready for the playoffs and stuff like that. And like maybe even like specific players. Cause I know on, um, cause you know, you know, I follow, I follow you on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. I saw like the behind the scenes thing that you guys did with Framil Reyes, where like mm-hmm. you did a video around him and stuff like that. I think that was like for spring training. So like what goes into a production of making videos like that for like, specific players even for just for them or for the whole team and like hype videos like what's like what is that process of doing that and like all the production that goes behind that yeah i mean there's a few different styles of things that we make you know when you see like the theatrical style hype video with the you know with the guy with the deep voice as the narrator um you know those are our favorites that i think to work on those are the that's really a team effort though you know we have a copywriter that we lean on to help articulate you know kind of that story and, and voiceover and you know, we have a, a really talented editor, too, um, who's been our really our primary uh, videographer this season, which I think helps in that kind of run. Um, the video that you're talking about with Fran Mill that, that I posted on my Instagram, I was messing around with um, with one of those. I think it's called an Insta360 camera. It's like a little you can't even really notice it. You kind of it's a magnet that you stick on yourself and, and you just kind of get your kind of point of view. But, uh, you know, that. That video was just personally me testing out that camera and, and trying to figure out if it was something we could use with the players. But you could see me holding another camera and you could probably see a few other camera operators uh, in that uh, shot as well. Um, that was at spring training. And we identify um, anywhere from six to ten guys a year that we want to pull into the ballpark there um, and really get some specific um, we call it ISO footage. Uh, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the really cool stuff. It's the stuff that look them, make them look like, you know, um, just awesome call like gods of baseball, if you will, you know, you got the nice <laughs> right. sky there and um, you know, it's all those upward angles that make them look really heroic. Um, and, you know, typically in the, uh, the high speed format. So, you know, you can do that slow-mo kind of stuff too, but uh you know, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, we start planning all that stuff uh, pretty early on. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of coordination that's involved there to make sure that we can get those guys and all their gear and everything that goes in into uh, just making them look right and getting them there at the right time. So, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's why we, you know, we, we target, try to try to get more guys than, than we think we'll probably end up getting. Cause you know, if we, if we ask for 10, we'll probably get eight. So, you know, there's yeah. there's there's a lot that goes into that. No, no, for sure. And I, I just thought that was really interesting because, you know, that's the one thing that for me, I, you know, I can't know about everyone else, but I always look forward to when 
like that hype video for the season is coming up, and, you know, and they got all the stuff for spring training, you know, all the guys are reporting for pitchers and catchers and like all the main guys are coming in and stuff like that. And like throughout the year, you see all these awesome videos. So I always thought it was interesting how, like what goes into making stuff like that. Cause you know, that's something that's really unique that, that I think is really fun that I think there's some fans who want to see that production. So I, th- I found it really fascinating how you guys yeah. did that with the three, with that camp doing that ISO camera on frame and, doing all those interesting things and stuff like that. So, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, part of that is, is like I mentioned, getting, just getting better year after year. And it's, it's going and trying to find, uh, you know, examples of things that you've seen and, and just trying to pull that into your own style. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I totally understand it. And I think that's like something that a lot of people would love to see is just getting that, what it's like to get that behind the scenes look of how things get done. Because that's just, this is so great about where social media and, you know, the, you know, the getting everyone together and bringing stuff in, like, and seeing things that you would never think about seeing, you know, even 10 years ago. So to be able to see something like that, is just crazy that we can see all the cool things that are happening, you know, just around the team. It's like, it's just not, oh, the guys are showing up to the ballpark and that's it. Now they got other stuff going on too. And like, oh, working with you guys, just seeing that interaction. I think that's really amazing. And I know there's probably going to be a lot of people who are like, yeah, I want more of this. I want to see, you know, the day-to-day life or the, you know, behind-the-scenes look of what these guys do because, you know, you, what you get on TV is what you get. You don't get to see all the other stuff around that. So, Well, that's that. good to hear. I know you got, you probably have heard that we've announced that, you know, we're not holding Tribe Fest this year. So we've talked mm-hmm. about um, what can we do at spring training to help, you know, bring some of the – the fans and get them close to the players, you know, in a virtual setting. So you may, you may be alluding to some things that uh, may be going on next year, hopefully. Hey, you know what? I, I know. And when I saw that it was announced that that wasn't going to happen, I'm like, all right, you know, we, you know, got 2022 to look forward to with that. But like you said, I was thinking like, man, knowing the Indians, though, they're not just going to settle just to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to roll in the spring training. It's business as usual. It's going to be, you know, because that's what the, that's one of the good thing about this team. Because I've been an Indians fan my entire life, it's that the team goes above and beyond to try to get the fans, you know, with behind this team and with this team and getting invested every year. So I'm really looking forward forward to what you guys are going to do going into spring training. So you you already got me excited for this, and we're in like October. <laughs> so it's, I'm like, can it be like February or March right now? Let's just get going. Let's get spring training in. Let's you know get the next season going. So no, I'm uh. You already got me excited for that. So that's going to help me get through this winter. That's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. Um, so do you have, so speaking of, cause usually you ask for certain players period, do you guys already have an idea of who you want for next year? Or are you guys having to wait and see what the front office does in terms of who's potentially staying, who's going and stuff like that? It's like, is there a certain time frame you guys start getting that list down of, Hey, you know, these are the, these are the guys we want to ISO, uh, for spring training in 2021? Yeah, good question. So we typically go into, you know, this month, the next couple months, and just try to plan what the production is going to look like. Uh, But we don't really narrow down who our guys are until we get probably close to end of January. Okay. All right. Yeah, I I, I was curious of how, you know, like how that process is. Like, you you got all, you you got – because you have, you have a huge number of guys coming to spring training, and I, it was, I was curious if you guys usually start in a certain month. That's when it's like, all right, who can we 
narrow this list down to. So, no, I appreciate you know appreciate you letting me know. Like that's interesting that you guys wait until that January to start getting that. Yeah, I mean, list. so we we keep a list, and I've got a I've got an Excel that that looks like a, a bizarre kind of matrix that uh, you know you know who we've had in the past, what the length of their contract is, and and since we only get access to a limited number of guys, we really try to focus on you know, not repeating guys year after year and trying to really spread that around because that footage, like, like you mentioned, it is very cool. So, you know, how can we make sure we just have our whole, you know, our whole roster with that versus trying to, again, trying to hit Lindor every year doesn't do a lot for us, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. For sure. You guys want to have that nice, cause you know, with, you know, with our pitching staff with Beaver and his amazing year that he just had, I mean, you, know, you got Carrasco and Playsack and all of them. And of course you got all these other young guys we got, you know, with Josh Naylor coming in, and all that, and depending on who we're going to get next year, it's just it. it I, it's going to be awesome to see what other videos you guys are going to do because of the fact of how deep our just our pitching staff is, and then all the other guys we got coming up through the pipeline. It's just the the system is so saturated with young players that it could easily be marketable. So I'm excited to see what you guys do with all these young guys we have in the system, not just with the guys we have now on the team, but just with all the prospects coming up and, you know, where our pitching staff now is. That's absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can get Tristan on the list next year. Oh man. That's going to be amazing because I saw, cause I know they, I know the guys on Stowe talked to him a few times and I, uh, I don't know if you, you know, listen to starting nine from Barstool, but they had Tristan on uh, for an interview and they were talking to him and just being able to hear him talking like his mental prepar- like preparations and just, him going into that his first start with the Tigers, I thought was really interesting. I think, you know, if you guys nail down Tristan next year, I think that's going to go off because I can already tell a lot of Indians fans love this kid already, and he's only pitched a few games, you know, in the majors. So that'd be awesome if you guys nailed down Tristan for next season. That'd be amazing for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. He's a great dude too. He's he's easy to talk to. He's he's relatable. He's personable, uh, and he's humble. You know, he's he's one of the more humble guys that I've met. Uh, coming up so you know all of those things are 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 great combination of you know to to put you into you know if you're a good player and you've got all of those other kind of say non-skill related you know attributes it's just it's a great combination to see him come up yeah no for sure and then it actually plays into the next question i want to ask you so i know usually you know you said you you know list out your responsibilities what you guys do as a department i know this year because of just how crazy 2020 has been. And I know we kind of talked, you know, before the podcast, you know, a week or so ago, or a few days ago, that you actually have more roles than just being the director of creative production. You had to do the walk-up music and the crowd noise and all that stuff. What was it, what was this year like having mm. more of those roles or responsibilities of doing, you know, not just the walk-up music, but like, you know, the in-between innings music, you know, yeah. pre-games after that, doing the crowd noise. Like, what's that like? having all those on top of what you already do daily. So, yeah. So coming into this season, um, you know, we had to make a lot of cutbacks, which is really tough. The crew that that we have that, that I've put together, it really becomes a family every year and and you really get to know those guys and you actually see them more than your own family at times, you know, on those long homestands and, in July, we had to try to figure out how to streamline that production to allow, you know, the full-time staff to really work the games that had never worked games before. Um, but, uh, you know, big kudos to, to some of the guys on the team, too, that reworked a lot of our technology to make that happen. But as far as, like, what, what ended up happening, um, 
the, you know, I love it. I, I, like I said, I've been with the Indians since 2005. I've spent half of my, my career there as a content creator and game day uh, operator. And music is a big passion of mine. So that, that position definitely spoke to me. I had a lot of fun DJing games. Um, you know, you kind of, I think you probably saw on Twitter, I started getting a little, uh, a little more active as the season went on, just kind of talking and, and spitballing and, and throwing things out there with Dre and, and Zach. And that was a lot of fun too. Um, you know, that, that part was a, that, that was a surprise, something that I was not anticipating coming into this year being as much fun as it was. Um, and then adding in the crowd noise was definitely a challenge, but, uh, you know, we got that figured out too. <laughs> um, one thing that I got to throw out there and, and I think you'll appreciate this and it's something that I've been telling everybody that asked me about it, but one thing a lot of people might not know, um, is all of the crowd sound that we use in our stadium uh, this past season was actually our fans. Um, it wasn't something that uh, MLB The Show, you know, gave us that they gave many of the other teams and, and you know, the other teams used. It was actually our fans. So if you attended a game, postseason game in 2016, you were likely cheering for our team in 2020. Um, and that's definitely something that I'm really proud of. You know, you hear the NFL uh, kind of claiming to do the same thing now, but for us to figure that out in July before anybody else was even really thinking about that, I, I feel was a pretty big accomplishment for us. Man, like, yeah, that is amazing that you guys used actual Indians fans from past seasons. That's, yeah, yeah you nailed it on the head. I am really impressed. and. It, it just it just makes me so proud as an Indians fan knowing that you guys were able to do something that no one else thought of to do. Like, so before, like, the season even started, you guys already had that nailed down and wanted to do that. So, no, that's amazing that you guys were able to do that. That's <laughs> that's fantastic. That's that's great. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, you you may have heard some of it through, you know, the TV or the radio. And, you know, you hear you hear John Adams drum in and, you know, the different oh, the different Jose chants, all that stuff. All that was our fans. And, and you know, again, like like you said, I, I think it just goes such a long way with our fan base. And I've been trying to let everybody know that I can, that, that it was them there. You know, it wasn't, again, just some kind of canned crowd noise. It was it was our fans in that ballpark cheering for our team. It was something cool. No, no, that's that's very amazing that that happened. No, I'm really, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I I didn't even know you know no one really said you know it wasn't like oh these are certain you know stuff that you know everyone got or anything like that. So for the fact that you guys were able to to bring in other noises from other seasons to do that, that's just that's phenomenal. So so what type of like machine like what systems were you using to you know play the crowd noise and all the music and stuff like was it like on a tablet or what did you like what uh, equipment were you guys using to do all that that's a great question noise and stuff that's a great question so our setup was um three machines essentially um and we we have one that that is our just our standard um that we use every every game uh and it's it's called click effects um and it's uh it's essentially where we run all of our music out of. Now we did for, for this season, throw in a few uh, crowd noise uh, pieces more for like the, the instant react kind of stuff. So, you know, when, when something happens and you need to, to quickly cheer for something, um, those came out of that click effects machine. Um, and then we added two other pieces of equipment um, 
to help kind of just fill out the crowd noise. And that was uh, just a, a standard laptop with a four-hour loop of what I call just the crowd murmur. So just what you mm -hmm. would kind of hear at the ballpark on a, on a regular basis. Um, just to, again, it was almost like a white noise machine, but you know, it's right. just a, that murmur that was going um, and we could kind of control how loud that murmur was, you know, whether it was soft or quiet throughout the game. And then the other thing that I used was an iPad that was, uh, okay. that was hooked in for, and that was for, for building, uh, building the moments. And then also in the, in the react as well. So, you know, that's where John Adams came from. Um, and we used a software that uh, it, it's a, I think it's a pro DJ software, but essentially it gives you, uh, it's like a soundboard. So, you know, I had a few pages that I could click through. Um, and then, you know, with, you know, on those pages, I had John Adams, I had the Jose chants, I had a couple specific chants for Frankie and some of the other guys as well. Um, and then just some other, uh, some John, Matt, John Adams rumbles. So, you know, your, your typical, you, you know, you normally hear John Adams pre-pitch, right? But, you know, if, yeah. if you go to those games and, and you listen and he actually does a lot after a good play has happened as well. So, you know, he'll do a kind of a drum roll that just kind of, you know, lingers on. And, you know, we had all that kind of stuff in the iPad as well. No, that's, yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, Cause I've been, cause been to a few games and yeah, you can, you can definitely tell, like you can just look back and you can see John in the last row and he's doing a bunch of different things. Like he does it like the dud out really fast or something huge happens like you said that massive drum roll or stuff like that so that's really awesome that you guys were able to get that in and i was i was curious about like what equipment you guys use so when it came to like the moments um like how do you how do you usually gauge you know you know when to press a certain button for like a certain thing that happens it's like do you, is it mostly just like you know, it's a, is it more of like a feel thing or like, do you try to get into an idea of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This, this is what I'm going to do that. Like, how does that usually work for you throughout? Cause I know it probably had to progress throughout the season of like, you know, just getting a timing down and stuff. So like, what was your whole process of like figuring out when to do certain things with noises and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, that was tough to figure out early on. Luckily we did have uh, some summer camp games. There was a lot of inner squad games and we got to test a lot of things out there. They wanted us playing crowd noise uh, pretty early on to start just trying to figure out what that would sound like in the park. So, you know, pretty early on, we got a, a kind of a routine down and figured out, you know, where at least the sounds were going to come from, um, you know, which machines, how the actual operation was going to play out. And then from there, it was a lot of feel. Um, I, that last homestand, if you were watching and you saw a visiting pitcher mm. step off the mound, I, you know, I like to take credit for that. <laughs> you know, when you see that, <laughs> you know, because we were pushing it. We, were, we, we definitely were playing the, the crowd noise a little louder. We were, we were getting uh, very specific with when, when they would react, you know, and that just comes from, honestly, probably me being at a lot of games. You know, I know what our crowd sounds like a lot and, having all of those recordings and being able to go through them. It was, you know, you know, a lot of pre-planning, but also in the moment, just knowing like, Hey, this is, this is how our crowd would probably react. And honestly, we, you know, in, in that last New York game, uh, you know, our crowd may not have been in it, but we were, you know, cause we were pushing the buttons and, and that's how, that's how uh, I think we were able to get through some of those bigger moments was that we just kind of, we didn't let off the gas at any point because you know, I, I don't think our fans would have. So, you know, that, that kind of thing is just uh, by feel at that point. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, for me, because for the, the, the thing is, luckily, you know, with, you know, having Tom Hamilton and Rosie and all that stuff, because I, 
I know you probably saw this and a lot of people saw this. No one no one really liked having Jeter and all those guys doing their games on the national TV. I kind of wish we had, you know, you know, Matt Underwood and Rick Manning and, and Andre doing, like, the games and stuff like that. So I did listen to most of the radio stuff, but you could still hear it through the radio. And, yeah, like, I really noticed it through that through that wild card series. You guys were just all over the Yankees when it came to stuff like that on the noise and stuff. So, yeah, no, I definitely – I definitely caught that, so I thought that was really amazing how you guys were just, you know, laying it on them when big moments happened. Like, I was feeling it throughout the entire game, like the ups and downs of, like, the usual, you know, playoff games or usual games throughout the season. So, no, that's that's really awesome. Yeah, I definitely could feel what you guys were trying to do there. Good. That's um, I love hearing that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, 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 for sure. So, I know you mentioned about, you know, your usual interactions with, you know, Zach Meisel and, you know, and uh, Dre, so, like how, like how was it, you know, interacting with those guys every day, you know, because that's because the funny thing was that's how I started. That's when I saw you a lot more popping up on Twitter, and, and I'm like, okay, I got to follow this. You know, that's why I followed you on Twitter. I'm like, all right, this guy, because I always saw you know like Andre, you know, message you back or like Zach message you, but you know, we, you guys were usually tweeting back and forth, and that's why I'm like, all right, you know, when I saw you were the creative content guy for the Indians, I'm like, all right, I got to follow him because you know, was, I thought it was interesting. So like, how was that going through the entire season, you know, you know, going through more as we were getting deeper in the year, like you guys were just like, you know, different type of music and stuff like that. Just like, how was that all the interaction going on with those guys? Yeah. You know, just riffing back and forth on the music that you chose. So throughout the games, we have a great relationship with all of our affiliates on air talent. Uh, Tom and Rosie are great to work with. Rosie actually lives a couple blocks away from me. Uh, I see it. Oh, wow. I see. I see him jogging every once in a while. Um, but Andre and I go way back. Uh, we have a couple of mutual friends that have kind of kept us in the same circles for a while. But uh, I mean, it definitely goes back to before, before he even started really working with the tribe. Um, but it's it was fun this year. Like I said earlier, uh, I didn't uh, I didn't anticipate having as much fun in the kind of the DJ seat as I would, and and we just started kind of having fun with it uh, on Twitter, and it just kind of took off from there. And, that definitely that made it more fun to kind of come into the park and do those things. You know, it was it what was weird was actually not seeing those guys in person uh, as often. You know, we you know I, when I got there, you know, me and my family had been playing it pretty safe through this whole thing. And you know, when I'd get there, I'd kind of get to my room. I had windows that I could open. I had a door that I could shut, and I just kind of did my thing from that that space. So I didn't wander around too much. And you know, most of the park was locked down to begin with, so it was kind of hard to do that anyway. Right. But um i honestly i think it was more weird doing more virtual uh kind of conversations with those guys and, and kind of the you know the world that we're in right now than uh normally you know you know going up to tom and rosie and, and talking to them about some things on a you know every once in a while you know once or twice a month uh you know running into andre and, and giving him a hard time about something you know that, that's <laughs> that's kind of the routine that i have when i'm at the ballpark on a, on a in a regular season so um, right, for sure. That, that's definitely been weird, but uh, I, you know, I, I think getting to know our writers better is something that I, that I'm trying to work on as well. So, uh, you know, Mandy and Zach are both great people, uh, and I think oh yeah, Zach, for sure. Zach and, and Andre and I had a lot of fun this year um, on Twitter. So, you know, that that part was definitely again a, a kind of a hidden gem of of 2020, if you will. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that that. I couldn't imagine having to be able to do like anything like this, like you know, what you guys do with your interaction and then like having to not do so much that this was like, you know, 
five, 10 years ago, how anything would have gotten done like this, you know, if it wasn't for the technology we're at now. So that's, you know, that's really amazing. So I got to know, so the music, so is that something that you just chose because is that something that you're used to? Like, cause like what, like what's the style of music that you, that you usually want to get going in terms of just at the games or is it just like, is it like your personal preference? Like how did that work out in terms of music? And like, what's, what's the style that you usually listen to yourself that maybe you try to incorporate for the, for the overall experience? Like how did that usually, how did that play out with the music? Yeah. So my, I mean, I'm probably one of the biggest black keys fans that you'll ever meet. Um, nice. Uh, nice. I've been playing their music in our park since uh, I think, rubber factory came out like 2005 ish so oh. oh yeah that's yeah that was a good one for um, sure yeah that's that's a good start <laughs> so so you know that's that's been my wheelhouse my my go-to for quite a long time you know the alternative rock classic rock but uh mm-hmm. you know i i'm i'm just a music connoisseur i, I just love music I, I don't turn down anything that sounds good to uh to me so what i did at the park this year was really just kind of play off of of who our guys are and, and what they like to listen to. Um, and then just kind of took that and ran with it. So, you know, thinking of, of our guys, you know, we got a lot of young guys, we got a lot of guys that, that like the hip hop genre. Um, so that's really where I stayed. You know, I tried working in, uh, I think country at one point and I got some feedback that said, let's, let's not do that. So, <laughs> you know, that just, yeah, it's just like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, that let me lean a little harder into the hip hop genre. Um, which right. then again, I, like I said, just allowed me to have fun with it. Um, I, you know, I'm no stranger to some of the, some of the nineties and early two thousands, uh, you know, hip hop and rap. And, and that was really fun to be able to pull out some of my old library and, and kind of work it in, oh, yeah, um, for sure. you know, working in, I, I think one of them was, um, uh, what was it? Uh, thugs mansion and, and just seeing those guys react to something like that. <laughs> Like that's, yeah. that's when, you know, like, okay, I, I feel good. I feel confident about the song selection that I'm doing. I'm going to keep going this route and, and seeing where it goes. But uh, yeah, I got to tell you, most of it was mine. Um, you know, I, I got some, I got a lot of good uh, uh, input from a lot of people though, in our, uh, in our organization. Um, you know, Andre was, was a great uh, contributor. Um, we got a guy named uh, Courtberry Tripp who, who is very into, the uh, Detroit music scene and that, you know, stemming, you know, stemming to the the white stripes, but even earlier, the Motown phase and, and getting some of his influences in there. Um, you know, it was more about just, just playing music that people would appreciate and people enjoy versus trying to, to fit any one specific genre. And, you know, it, it, if you're, you know, sitting there and, and you're tapping your foot and I'm looking for that, you know, as I'm playing the music, I'm looking all around the park with my binoculars and seeing who's listening and who's not. And if I can tell people yeah. are just listening to it, you know, I'm going to keep going that direction. And, and that's what I did this year. And, and it, it was a lot of fun, you know, and it, and it kind of ranged. So, you know, what you saw on Twitter was uh, a lot of the hip hop stuff, but it, you know, that was, that was because of the time frame that it was in. So, you know, when the, when, when I start, you know, I started in the kind of the, we'll call it oldies classic uh, genre. Uh, and then as we get closer to game time, it gets into a little more of what the players are listening to because they're out on the field. So, you know, I was really playing to whoever was out in the park and whoever was on the field, and whether it was grounds crew or, or the players, it kind of just tried to fit that mold. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really awesome. Yeah, it, it seemed like on Twitter, like you could tell, like when when Andre was getting hyped on some of the choices you were doing, it was like, all right, you know, if Andre's feeling, you know, you know, it's going to be a good time for sure. So that's, yep. I noticed that on Twitter, he, you guys were dropping, and of course, like through the stadium and stuff like that. You know, when you were able to, you know, with the TV and getting that chance to do that, that's that's really awesome. It's it's so great just hearing that, like how the fact that you. Know, just like that was from your own personal collection and like your libraries and you were just adding that in and the guys were feeling it. Like and you said, you're bringing back nineties and two thousands, you know, that'll get guys going for sure. So that's, that's really awesome to just see how that worked out throughout the season. So, um, so for the walk-off songs, so I'm curious, is it usually, I don't, I don't know if that's your guys' department, um, but do you guys usually talk to the players before the season starts and you maybe get like a list of what songs they want? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. how's it, how's that usually work out with getting their walk-ups for the year? It's like, is it the same songs through the whole season or is it like periodically, like, do they want to change it up? Like, how's that usually work? And is it, is it that your, is it your department that deals with that or is that someone else? Yeah. Usually? So we usually talk to the guys in spring training. Um, and then, Depending on where you know who we're talking to, uh, you know we'll get a good a good list of songs going. I think the the biggest thing to kind of differentiate from is the pitchers and the, and the position players. Um, the the pitchers their songs don't change often, uh, especially the relievers. And and what we love to do with um, you know guys like the back of the bullpen kind of guys is build videos around them too. So, you know we're talking to them about specific songs that we can create videos to. Um, you know, in that spring training kind of time frame. Now, when it comes to the position players, you know, we'll, we'll have that conversation with them in spring training, but they, their songs uh, change so often. Um, they, you know, a lot of guys are superstitious. So what they hear, um, they'll have two or three songs, a specific order that they want to play and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, all that's easy to accommodate um, once you kind of get the information. And what we try to do is try to funnel that information um, into one, in a large text train um, that comes from one guy that's in the clubhouse. Um, that's just, you know, from our front office, you know, one of the guys that's, that's in there as a player rep, uh, our, our kind of player representative, if you will. Um, oh, and then, you know, some guys will text directly, um, but we try to discourage that just because again, I'm not, you know, in a regular season, I'm not there at every game. So if I'm getting the information now, I'm, you know, out to dinner or something and I got to text it along. So we, again, we, we really try to have one person in the clubhouse text in one group chain um, with all that information. Okay. All right. I, I was wondering, I was, I was always curious of how the walk-up music was picked. If that's like usually pre-done before the priest, like in spring training, or if like, is it sprinkles throughout the season? Like who do they talk to and stuff like that? So that's so, that's really interesting. And, you know, I appreciate you, you know, giving us a little bit of an insight on that. Cause I, I was always, cause I'm a, a big baseball nerd, especially even with the Indians. Cause you know, being from Northeast Ohio, I was just, I was always curious of like the music being picked. Cause you, know, you got guys like Frankie, you know, San, you know, Carlos Santana, you know, all those guys. And then you got guys like Tyler Nacord, Jordan Luplo, you know, it's all the different types of music. So I was curious of how they usually worked out, how you guys interact with those guys on a daily, you know, on a process of getting that music done. So it's very interesting. Like what, like, so what type of music is it usually, that you guys usually get requested from the guys for walk-ups or usually like for um, warm, you know, like batting practice and stuff like that. Like what's the general consensus of the genre that you guys usually get from the clubhouse? 
Yeah, this, I mean, it's, it's different every year. It kind of depends on who's on the team, but you know, with a, a lot of um, Latin players, we have, you know, a lot of that style of music, uh, a lot of, a lot of um, trying to think uh, bad bunnies in there. Um, I'll probably butcher this, but uh, annual AA is in there. Um, there's, there's a few in that genre that just kind of, it's, it's, it's Latin hip hop. Um, and then there's, right. Um, you know, then there's the kind of American or English hip hop that uh, some of the other guys pick. Uh, but you know, like Luke Lowe is a big uh, SoCal guy, so you, you get a lot of that kind of genre in there. Um, yeah, right, for sure. I always love, uh, you know, Cookie always comes out to, you know, summer of '69, which is like, where did where did that come from? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. That's that. That was always fascinating. And then, uh, <laughs> you know. Guys like Naquin uh, have some, they have some rock in there. Uh, I loved Naylor uh, right at the last homestand there, picked uh, a uh, Welcome to the Jungle, uh, that which was great. Uh, you know, gun, some okay. Guns and Roses. Uh, okay, I, I, can, I can feel that. Yeah. that hey, that, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's, that's awesome. Like, you would, you wouldn't. You would never think that as, as some guy being like, "Yo, let's go with this." It's like, all right, all right. Yeah, when you get some of those surprise ones, you're like, "Yes, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in." Uh, you know who I really liked uh, had had a really good taste in music was uh, the Shields. Uh, his his stuff was just good classic, you know, hip hop uh, or or Motown or whatever. You know, he just he he knew how to pick certain spots of songs that would sound really good as you're walking up. Yeah, no, that's yeah. The, the shield looked like he looked like a really cool guy. Just from you know, unfortunately, you know, the Indians, you know, the fans didn't really interact with him a whole lot. But it seemed like from you know his demeanor and like how you know, everyone talks about him, it's, he, the shields seemed like a really awesome guy. So that's that's really cool. The fact that he like he had that certain style of music where it's like it just worked for lockups. That's that's really interesting that you know Delino is one of those guys that he is just something about his swagger. Yeah, did, I, did you see that at all? Does, does he have like a certain like just aura about him? Yeah, I mean he's as a, he's, as a, as he's a, a confident guy, um, but he's a real humble and nice guy too. Uh, he's one of the better guys on the team to talk to. Um, just about anything, like if you're stuck in a room with him, he's got no problem sitting down and talking to you. Um, he is a he's a good dude, really is. No, yeah, no, that's really awesome. I, I know that. I know that. Uh, I do have a question about certain players. Um, I, I think I just asked you now since we're already talking about it. So, like, is there been certain interactions with certain guys that you really like, or is there just like, I, don't, I don't know if it's just one interaction, maybe, or is there just like certain guys that you can just you know, walk up to and just be like, you know, just talk, you know, for how like ten, fifteen minutes, or just for a few minutes? Like, is there like a a certain interaction that you remember was a certain player or is there just like certain guys that you just like, you know, that you can talk to them. And yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a good, you time. know, and this isn't lip service, but the guys on our team right now are all really good guys. We've, we've not had guys in the past or we, I'm sorry, we've had guys in the past who are not that. Um, and I won't, I won't say who they are, but I'm sure you can guess uh, who some of those guys were, but, <laughs> Um, oh, it, yeah. it makes a world of a difference when you've got, um, when you've got guys that are, that are genuine and, and nice. Um, I'll, I'll give you a few interactions, uh, that I've had that, that are pretty funny. I'll, I'll tell you one that, um, so in 2009, Sandy, uh, joined the team as a coach, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
and I was, I was, I mean, 2009, I was probably three years into a full-time job at that point. Uh, I'll never forget. I, I went to shake his hand and I, I, I stared at him. What for? Uh, it felt like 30 seconds without saying anything, just holding onto his hand. I mean, he was one of my, <laughs> he was one of my favorites growing up. And I was just, that's the, the most starstruck I think I've ever been was, was meeting Sandy for the first time. Um, no, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> cause, cause that's, that's what you think of, you know, from the, you know, from the nineties teams, you think of, you know, Sandy Alomar Jr., Kenny Lofton, Jim Tomey, Albert Bell, Omar Baerga. Like, yeah, it's Sandy Alomar Jr. You have to be like, uh, exactly. That's exactly what it was. You're like, you're like, you're like, brain, say something, do something here. It's just like, uh, I don't know what yeah. to say. You could tell he was like, <laughs> well, awesome. who is this kid? Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget, too, uh, first time I met Jason Giambi. Uh, well, it wasn't the first time I met him, but uh, when he joined our team that year in spring training, uh, he, he had such a good personality, and, and everybody just immediately loved this guy. And, you know, I, you know, you never know what to expect with those guys coming from New York and, you know, that are kind of, you know, larger-than-life characters. But he was so nice uh, and, and loved to joke around with everybody. And I remember this uh, forever, I think. It's spring training the one year. You know, we're watching, we're shooting BP, uh, you know, just doing our thing. And, you know, he's stepping into the box and he's taking one swing and then stepping out. And, and somebody's like, what are you doing? Like, he's only taking one swing and he looks over the guy. He's like, I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid to take one uh, one swing here. And he's like, he takes one swing and it goes, it's the farthest ball that's hit in batting practice every time. And he's up there and he's boom, it's gone. And he's like, done, walking out. Next guy's up. <laughs> and that's what he did. I mean, he just, he just, he would drill it every single time. And it was, that was impressive. You, I, I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen anybody who made contact like he does. Um, but, you know, as of right. recent, you know, some of my favorite guys were, uh, you know, like Jason Kipnis, Michael Brantley. Those guys were, you know, some of the guys that helped me kind of grow up through my career and were just nice and personable and, you know, they, they were the guys that uh, they'd give you a hard time, but didn't, you know, if you gave it right back to them, then, then you were right in with them. So, you know, if you, if you weren't scared to kind of just, you know, be there with them and, and act the way that they acted, you know, with each other. And Jason was always willing to help out and do things. And so was Michael. And, and those were awesome. But uh, I got one more story. I got to tell you, if you got time to, so. Oh yeah, no, of course. I, I have all time <laughs> in the world now. I'm eating this stuff because, you know, like I said, a massive Indians fan. Just give me all the stories. I <laughs> give me four or five hours. I'll just go sit there. Okay, let's let's keep going, man. <laughs> so, I'm the, no, I, all the time in the world. I'm, I've never been on a shoot uh, where something like this has happened. But uh, so so Carlos Carrasco was part of a shoot, uh, part of a skit that actually never made the light of uh, day. It just never kind of came together. But uh, I won't mention some of the other players that were in it. Um, but, uh, so it was the, the whole premise of this skit was, you know, uh, I think, you know, the, the guys are one up in each other. So like somebody was going to sign their, their, their name on a ball, um, and hand it to a kid. And then the next guy down the line was going to, um, I think, you know, do something else and draw all over it. And then the third one, we actually had a, a tattoo artist draw Carlos's, uh, like he stippled his face all, you know, onto it and did this whole thing. And he was going to hand that to the kid <laughs> and the skit never ended up working out, but we were, you know, as kind of productions go, you're kind of sitting around and you're waiting for things to get started. And, and, uh, we had this family and the family had, I think three kids and, you know, we're waiting and you can tell the kids are getting antsy and, and Carlos walks up to these kids and starts talking to them. 
And next thing you know, he's got him out onto the field. He's got one of them on his shoulders and he's running around with them. And I've never seen somebody so comfortable with fans and kids and just jumped right in and made those kids feel right at home like Carlos did that day. And it was, I mean, it, it kind of almost takes your breath away when, when I'm thinking about it, even like just the way that this guy, you know, you, you think of him as this genuine dude and you see him from afar, but like he really is this guy that is, is just such a lovable person that, it's it's unbelievable. I've never seen a player like this guy before. He's he's absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah, no, I I love Cookie. I mean, I have a I have um, I got a jersey of with his name on it last year. It's like one of my favorite ones. And yeah, it's just how can you not love the guy of who he is? Because it's just like all the stuff he does for the hospitals. You know, reaching back out and helping kids and stuff like that, and just you know. Again, you know, comeback player of the year, I think it was like two years in a row and stuff like that. And, you know, everything they went through with Kimia, like, you want to think of that, of him being that guy that would have to fight through something like that. But even through fighting that, he was still doing all he could to help other people. And that's just, it speaks to how awesome Cookie is and why he is so beloved in Cleveland. It's just, hearing that story just makes me feel just, it's like, I'm so glad that we have him as not just a player, but as like one of the leaders of the team and just all the stuff that he does, even for the fans, it's absolutely. No, and and for his hometown, really you know, amazing. his, you know, he won the Roberto Clemente award last year and, and what he did mm, to right. earn that, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't trying to earn an award. He was helping people in his hometown and he was literally saving lives. You know, he and his wife set up a spot where people could go get food and he was literally saving lives in his hometown. Uh, and that kind of stuff is just, it's unbelievable what, what he does for, for people. I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just, it just makes you so great that we have guys like that on this team and the, and the, and the team brings in so many guys that do so many things for just the community as well. We even brought up Jason Kipnis and I love Kip when he was with us because he would do, like, he was just a really approachable. He was really great with the fans, you know, signing autographs during the game. And then even at, at the end of every season, he always did, like, this equipment, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. Right? He would, like, sign his cleats or give away gloves, bats, or whatever. That's just something that was really cool, too, that always stuck out to me. Is like, that, like, no matter what's going on, and, you know, even through the struggles he did have at certain points, he still wanted to be that guy for fans. And that's I think that's something that Indians fans really love is having genuine guys who do above and beyond than just show up to the ballpark, do their job and leave. Like even like Michael Brantley, like, cause for me, like I always get attached to one certain player and it's like over the years, it's been like guys like Casey Blake um, way back when, you know, we had, when we had Grady Sizemore at some point, CC Sabathia and, and, you know, Michael, you know, Dr. Smooth was one of my guys and it was just, I always liked his game because he was always quiet and humble, but he still put in that work of just no matter what he did, he got on base in whatever way possible. So, you know, that's, yeah, just hearing stuff like that about those guys is something that's really amazing that I think fans would really love just hearing stuff like that. So I really appreciate, you know, giving us some really, (laughs) really awesome stories. It's just like Jason Giambi, like you said, with like that one hit, he's like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> I'm done for the day. Like, what? <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's so great. So I know earlier you said about, you know, you're not usually at every game. So it makes me curious. So does it, for the for like 
either for home games or even for like even for travel do is it like the whole does the whole department go or do you have like maybe one person that goes on the road or do you usually like split up road duties with your department of like who goes with the team and stuff like that or do none of you guys go so like how does that usually work with like the travel and like how does it usually work on a normal season with who's there at the ballpark every day for homestands yeah so you know like i said we kind of had we had out there for spring training um and and for us that's when pitchers and catchers report um to uh so that'd be a kind of mid-february to beginning of march so where we leave after the first few games of uh spring training but then during the season you know we only travel at the end of the year when we're ready to clinch um and and then in the postseason that would be me and one other guy and we essentially go as just kind of a documentary kind of crew uh you know we're filming kind of cutting videos making hype videos on the fly that kind of stuff but during the season we don't typically travel unless there's um uh, some kind of larger need. We, you know, we've talked about, I think, going in the past for all-star games, uh, but we've never really had to kind of put that into action. So, Okay, so mostly, mostly it's just mostly staying up aggressive and just doing all the home stuff. So do you guys is – is, is everyone there for the home games too, or is it just certain people are there for the home games? Well, for the most part, uh, so if we have, a, you know, an eight – person full-time staff uh we'll have mm-hmm. about half of those uh people at the ballpark you know we're we've gone through a couple different phases at the indians where you know all full-timers used to work games and then no full-timers work games and we've kind of struck a yeah. balance where it's you know it's important to be at those games as a full-time employee but it's it's also we're cognizant of the burnout that can happen that you know of an 80 you know, a kind of 81 game season, if you will, 81 game home season that, uh, you know, becomes right. a lot when you're trying to do that and, and work nine to five as well. No, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I was just, yeah, it's, it's interesting just seeing what you guys usually do. So let's say you do go to the ballpark. I know this isn't usually in like in the, cause I know I sent you a list of what we're going to talk about, but this just popped in my head. So what is it, what's a typical, like, say you do have to go to the ballpark. What's a typical, like, day for you like what's the like your day in the life sort of as you know someone who has to go to the ballpark to do a game and stuff like that it could be from this year or you know in a normal season um i guess or maybe both depending on you know how much time you have or you know like what's that what's that what's it what's your usually day in the life type stuff that you have to do for game days yeah so i mean for me uh in a normal year um you know we're we're working on a game day um, during the day to, to kind of get our production ready. Um, that's that full-time staff and, and myself just preparing, um, you know, whether it's videos or graphics or sponsorships, uh, you know, for that night's game. Our seasonal staff usually starts rolling in um, about five hours before game time. Um, with kind of, and they kind of come in waves, you know, there are people that need to be there five hours ahead of time. There are people that need to be there, you know, even just two hours ahead of time. But um, all of that uh, kind of comes to a head once everybody's there. And, you know, that's when the questions start getting asked, you know, where's this, you know, where's this graphic or what's this sponsorship or, you know, those types of things. Um, so, you know, on a typical day, you know, on a typical weekday, we could roll in at 9am and then, you know, have a seven o'clock game and, and get out at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Um, you know, and you do that a few days in a row and, and you're ready to, you're ready to hang up, uh, 
the the credential and call it a day but uh that's that's <laughs> yeah. where again uh, the idea of kind of rotating through who stays for those games becomes really important um but yeah on a, on a typical day it's 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 looking at the the creative assets or the partnerships or the pieces that we've you know either need for the game or or for our brand you know our commercials you know our graphic design or digital ads all that kind of stuff um, you know, all of that happens in the nine to five kind of time frame, And then it's, it's focused on, uh, you know, after that, you know, probably two o'clock on for a seven o'clock game is, is really focused on that night's, uh, kind of entertainment and, and game. Okay. No. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting. So, so like say, if you, if you're not covering, you know, if you're not staying for the game, so do you, so do you usually watch the game at, uh, that night or is it usually, you know, you're just all right, I'm done. I did my job for the day. I'm just going to go home and chill and just maybe like, you know, watch the movie with the family or, you know, we go out and do stuff. You know, when we were able to still go out and do stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not so much this year, but like, but like, like, what, so do you, like, what do you guys usually do if you guys aren't staying for the game? Do you guys just go home and watch the game or you guys just do usual, you know, outside of work? Everybody, yeah. I think everybody's a little different. And I, and I think it has, um, you know, and I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it um i i I typically watch the game when i can or or listen to it if i'm i'm busy doing other things um but you know in a world where we can go out and do things uh you know a lot of times i try to turn it off um it's it's you know having again having it on all the time can be uh can be a lot on on a personal relationship right so you know my Mm -hmm. wife loved loves baseball and and uh you know I don't want to say she hates the Indians, but at times she, she, you know, I need to turn it off for that, for that reason, just, just to, you know, have some, you know, go out on a date or, or, you know, play with the kids or those types of things. So it is tough sometimes uh, I think to, to strike that right balance, but I, I try to watch, I'm a big fan. Like, like you said, growing up in Northeast Ohio, you know, I grew up down in Canton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been a fan of the Indians all my life. So, you know, watching these games is uh something that I just like to do. Uh, I, I think that I watch more road games than I do home games when I'm not at the park. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when I step, when yeah. I step away for a home game and the, and the team's in town, it's, it's usually for a reason. And, and that's why I'm not watching it. But, you know, when they're on the road, I'll, I'll try to pick the good matchups to watch. You know, if, if there's a pitcher going that I want to see, or they, you know, some, some new rooks in the lineup or, or we're going against the team where I want to kind of, you know, get my own little scouting report uh, on them. Uh, you know, I'll watch the game. A lot of guys, they don't watch any road games. They're at every home game. They don't watch any road games. A lot of guys will watch every single minute of every single game. And again, it's just a little different. I think everybody's, you know, own personal preferences is there. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. So, so what's the, so what, what's the typical matchup that you try to like, what's your usual favorite teams that you want to watch when the guys are on the road? Is it like maybe facing, you know, one of the NL teams wouldn't usually get the face a whole lot, or is it like one of the American League teams that we see constantly? Like, who's your who's the typical team that you usually circle on your calendar of like, oh, I got to get this game, or if like you know, Bieber's pitching against, let's say Garrett Cole, or pitching against, you know, like Kershaw, or like who, like where's the teams that you usually are like, all right, I got to watch this game. Yeah, I you know it kind of depends on on who's good that year, but but like you said, it, it definitely. If Bieber's going against Kershaw or, or Cole or, or somebody, uh, you know, I'll definitely tune in. If, uh, you know, I've gotten to know quite a, quite a few of my counterparts around the league. So if there's a game against, uh, you know, like the Padres, say, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll watch that game just so I can do some good ribbing, uh, you know, while that's going on as well. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan just as much as anybody else. So when I see those good matchups, I'm definitely looking for them. You know, lately it's been, you know, I, I, I want to watch the, the Twins games, you know. But in the past, it used to be the, you know, I wanted to watch the Detroit games or the Kansas City games. And, and then, you know, even oh, come yeah. full circle, <laughs> I used to want to watch the Twins games way back when. And then, you know, that that has only kind of popped up again within the last few years. So, but uh, right, finding those sure. division games, uh, I think, is important because that'll help, you know, that helps us tell our story then, too, once we get into the race. Yeah, no, definitely for sure that. Yeah, because, you know, growing up, it was like, the Tigers teams of Victor Martinez, unfortunately. And then they had Cabrera and Magliar Donez and Kinsler and just those Tiger teams of like the mid to the mid to late two thousands were always a team that I was like never looking forward to facing because for some reason it was always those same couple guys who killed us every game for sure. So I definitely get what you're saying. So I'm sorry I didn't ask you this earlier. You keep bringing, you know, from Canton. So, um, you said you're you said you're from Canton. Did uh, where did you go to uh, to college at? I'm just curious because, you know, like what was like what made you decide to go there? Like you know, like what got you onto this path of being the direct director of Creative Productions? I'm so sorry I didn't ask you this. Early, oh no, but you bring you bring up Canton. I'm like, all right, now I got. I'm curious now of like the whole just the arc of, you know, going from Canton to now being, you know, in the spot you're in now with the Indians. I'm just curious like how that process that path led you there. Yeah. Cause that's very fascinating to see how that works. Yeah, out. no, absolutely. So I, uh, you know, I actually grew up uh, in North Canton um, and I went to North Canton Hoover and they have uh, probably, uh, and I'll just say they have the best uh, vocational video production program um, in, in the area. Uh, there's actually a few people that work for the Browns, another guy that works with us at the Indians, uh, some people that have worked for the Cavs that have gone, uh, through this uh, high school, you know, two-year vocational program that, that just kind of jumpstarts you. You get your hands on a lot of equipment. You're working a lot of sports in high school um, before you even get to college, you know, and it sets yourself up to be knowledgeable and, and understand uh, what it kind of takes to, to do that before you even, again, get to college. And, you know, those first couple years of college, you're not getting your hands on any equipment like you are at this program. So big shout out to uh, Tom Wilson and Tim McCarty uh, from the North Canton uh, Hoover Vikings uh, vocational uh, video production program. But uh, from there, I went to uh, OU um, and I found that uh, while I loved OU and it has a great program, I was uh, already so kind of entrenched in the um, freelance world, if you will, that I was driving up to work uh, a bunch of college games, uh, college football games, college uh, basketball games uh, on the weekends that, you know, I was I was making money and I was spending it on gas money every every weekend. Um, you know, when you're down at OU and you're driving up to Akron to work a, a Zips game, you're not really making much money. Um, so yeah, I right. spent I only spent one year down there um, and moved to uh uh, Kent State uh, and Kent State's got a great program too. They send a lot of really good uh, people out into the industry, and, and we've taken a lot into our uh, full-time and seasonal staff from Kent State. Uh, but I again was traveling up to Cleveland then at that point, uh, another forty-five <laughs> minute drive, uh, you know, from Kent to Cleveland. Uh, I got an internship in two thousand five uh, with the Indians, uh, and then at that point, 
got a job and was like, I can't keep driving from Kent. So I moved downtown uh, and finished up my degree with uh, Cleveland State. And, uh, you know, Cleveland State's got a good program. They've got some good teachers there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point, I had, I had my job. I, I was kind of where I wanted to be uh, career path wise and, and setting up well. So it made a lot of sense to me to just, kinda, yeah. you know, let's, let's get that piece of paper and, and get and move on. Yeah, right. That, that's that's very interesting. It's just funny. It's like it's just pushing the it's just pushing the goalposts back. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm in Athens. Now I'm in Athens. Now I'm going to Kent. Now I'm in Cleveland. It's just like it's just progressively just kept pushing you back. Like right, I got to go to this school. I got to go here. I got to go here. So that's <laughs> that's really interesting how that worked out because I um you know I I finished high school in California because I moved a lot my entire life and then you know I went back I. Uh, went to Hiram college for two years and I finished up at Youngstown state. So I definitely get that migration of like you're one place and then you're moving and you're moving. So that's really interesting. So for your internship, um, what was that process like? So, cause I, um, I did, I did an internship with the Akron. Well, they were the Akron arrows at the time and now they're the rubber ducks. So I did an internship with them as their, as their game day person. So I, cause so I'm curious, like how was that for you in terms of with the Indians, you know, getting an internship with the big club. How did that work out? Like, what was that process yeah, like? And, and I'll tell you this too, working in sports and, and working freelance gigs uh, in sports specifically, um, a lot of it is who you know uh, to get your foot in the door. And, you know, I worked an unpaid internship, which I don't think they uh, even allow anymore in the state of Ohio. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was tough that summer. I'll be honest. Yeah. I got, I got my foot in the door through um, some connections. One of the uh, people working at the Indians at that time and a full-time actually person who ran the department um, was a, you know, an old graduate of, of North Canton uh, Hoover and uh, still kept ties with the guys there that were running that vocational program that I mentioned. Um, and I reached out and just said, Hey, you know, what are the odds that, you know, I can get an internship, you know, it wasn't even through school at that point, you know, a lot of times you can get your credits, uh, you know, that way. And with this, it was just, you know, recognizing an opportunity and and just trying to take it. And once I got in, um, you would have thought that they were paying me, you know, $50 an hour, the, the amount of hours that I put in, in that internship. But, you know, I think I eventually worked. I don't know, maybe four or five games that summer, which helped me pay for my gas money. Um, you know, officially you know, on on the record, I, I'll say I worked four or five games um, where I got a where I got a paycheck. <laughs> but uh, right, um, what was great about back then too was, um, you know, if you showed some ambition and some drive, they just kept giving you more stuff to do, uh, and that's you know. I'm one of those guys where you see an opportunity and you just, you can't turn it down. You just got to keep going, 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 pushing. And, and that's what I ended up doing in that, that role. But uh, I, I thank God every day that, uh, you know, I got, I got my foot in the door and I got it in at the time that I did because um, it was, it was, uh, it was a whirlwind of a few years there. And, and, you know, from internship to part-time to full-time and then, and then managing um, that, that department, it just, it feels like, you know, ages ago now, but, it was definitely an amazing opportunity. Like I said, a lot of who you know and, and getting your foot in the door uh, is the first step. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And for the fact too that you're doing it for your hometown team, like you, like that's like I think a dream job for anyone to be able to work for their like the team they grew up watching. Like, like that must be a great experience. Like, 
it's I know that old saying of like if you're doing a job that you love, it's not really you know it's like a it's like it's you don't feel like you're working a day in your life because you're doing something that you love. I know that's kind of cliche, but is that kind of like how you feel like because you're working with the team that you grew up watching? Like like what is like what is that like being able to do what you do? Yeah on a daily basis with the Indians. absolutely I mean I'm I'm blessed that I that I have a job that I love and and you know a lot of that is 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 uh projecting and, and and putting you know putting in the hours to 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 make it the job that you want to you know that 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 part doesn't happen overnight but you know if you're willing to stick with it um you know and it comes to and you know I'm I, I've told so many people this I'm I'm one of the luckiest people in Cleveland I think you know I've got a job that I love I've got a family that supports me in, in that. And, and it's, you know, it's all kind of coming together and, you know, it's, it's, it really is unbelievable at times. I think, you know, you know, I got to go play music at a ballpark this year and watch baseball when, you know, nobody else was allowed in that park. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I love yeah. my job 100%. No, that's, that's really awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, like I said, you know, that's a, that's a dream thing just to be able to do something with, you know, a job that you love, and especially with the team that, you know, like I said, you grew up watching, I grew up watching. It's just, that's like any Indians fan's dream is to be able to do something like that on a daily basis. So that's, that's really awesome. So going back to with some interactions, I know you said you talked to Hammy, you talked to Rosie, and you talked to Andre. Like, what's that like being able to interact with the TV and the radio guys on a usual, on a typical season? Like, like, how does that usually work with you guys? Like, do you talk every day or is it like every, like every certain few days? Like, what's that like interacting with the personalities that we have of Underwood and Manning and Andre, Rosie and Hammy? How, like, how's that like? Yeah, usually, in a, you know, I'm, I feel a little bad at times. Usually I only go and, and talk to those guys when I need something from them. <laughs> but, uh, but, okay. uh you know, we, we've built up a relationship over the years. Uh, Hammy and I have a great relationship. And, and what I do when I go talk to Hammy is, is we'll kind of talk about what our brand campaign is that year, what our story is, what our message is, and just, and just let him know so that he's aware of what story we're trying to tell from, you know, from a commercial standpoint, so that if he's able to, you know, let's say when we had that rally together slogan, you know, if he's able to work that in, or if mm-hmm. he's able to even you know, just talk about how the team can come together or rally from certain things, you know, having an understanding of, of where we're coming from, from a story and brand side, mm-hmm. I think is really important for those guys. And, and they can really help you and they can give you the sound bites and, and things that you need in an organic way. If you just, you know, simply have those kind of conversations. So that's where a lot of that conversation comes with, with Hammy and Rosie, because, uh, you know, they are, you know, Hammy specifically is the guy that everybody wants to hear. And every and I, I love Hammy too and, and listening to the way he calls games. There's nobody more exciting on the radio, I think, than than when he's calling a baseball game. Oh yeah, no. one hundred percent no doubt. I'll, name me someone else, I'll just tell you Tommy. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Without question. And we you know, and Rosie, uh, you know, we talk a lot because we do a lot of videos um with uh with him as a voiceover that that doesn't, you know, that you probably don't see. You know, he voices over a lot of our um, you know, how to buy tickets online kind of videos or, you know, things that are even internal that where we need a voiceover for. Um, so, and he's great with that. He's, he is such a nice guy when, when he came from Buffalo, uh, you know, it was funny. We actually, 
were in the same, that was the, my first year as a full, uh, an official full-time employee uh, in his first year with the team. So we kind of went through the onboarding together and, and we became friends at that point. Um, and then, you know, like I said, Andre is, is a guy that, uh, you know, occasionally we'll do something with him in regards to, um, you know, a video shoot or something like that. But, and I've just known him for a long time. So whenever I see something that makes me laugh that he did, I'll, I'll usually send him a text and, and, you know, give him a, a good ribbing or something, you know, when, you know, whenever the guys are messing with him or, or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, always yeah. great. It's always great seeing, you know, Matt and Rick and Andre doing their thing on TV. That's always, it's, it's goal. It's usually something that's really amazing that you're like, okay. There was uh, a, <laughs> there was a shoot that we did with him uh, a couple years ago at spring training that we just didn't collect enough footage from. And then we weren't able to get it last year. And our goal was to get it this year. And then this year just kind of fell apart. Um, but, uh, we were going to do one with, uh, with Andre where cookie just keeps pranking him. Uh, and you know, <laughs> we, we, I filmed all these parts with Andre where he's like prank calling him and, uh, you know, he like Andre's eating lunch in the cafeteria and he goes to put salt on his food and, and, you know, he, the, the lid to the salt shaker is loose and he's, you know, he's pours salt all over stuff. And uh, <laughs> we even we even took a microphone, you know, that on, looks like Andre would use, and, and put it in a Jello mold. Uh, you know, we did all these things, and we did all this stuff with. Oh my! And Andre gosh. was loving it too. He was he was doing really, you know, he's he was acting it up and hamming it up, and, and that that was fun. Getting to getting to do those little skits with Andre are fun because he's got a really good personality for that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. The gel that that reminds me of the prank that jim did on yes. the office where he put a sta- he put a stapler in the jello like we used to like that would have been fantastic to see his mic in the jello that would yeah. have been that would have been so great now it's funny you, you um you talk about this remind me of a couple skits i don't know if you've done i you might have done these um the the mean tweets mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. indians that one i every time i see that on youtube or like i you know i just you know I get a notion of like, you know, I got to watch the mean tweets. Like how was it doing those videos with the guys? Like that had to be like the craziest thing just to be able to watch the guys like interact, like, like react to tweets that people send them. Like how was, like, how was that experience doing that video with those yeah. guys? I mean, I'll tell you some of those guys are on Twitter too much and, and you probably know which ones I'm talking about, but uh they read oh, yeah. them all. So when they got an opportunity to put this video together, they jumped at it. Um, I think uh, we, you know, we, we helped hand pick some of them, but I think they had some of them ready to go themselves. So, um, you know, I, they love it. They, they love getting to be able to poke fun at that kind of stuff though. You know, when you got a good group of guys that, that they can get into that, I think it, you know, it, 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 it helps the other guys get into it too. When you see a couple of your friends doing it. Yeah, for sure. Now, the other one that I always find really funny is the, is the dad jokes, where you got the yeah. guys trying to read the dad jokes to each other. Usually, the there's some of the guys who can who can really pull off the dad joke in a, in a smooth way, where you're just like, you like you have to laugh at it. And there's some where you're just like, the delivery wasn't there, but it's still funny because of how that played out. Like, like how was that? Like getting all that set up with those like that whole production game with the dad jokes and getting certain guys to. Like how like how did you guys know how to put certain guys together? Or is that just yeah? Oh, that's a good question. A ra- a yeah, no, thing. that's a great question. I think uh, you know, so coming up with the jokes themselves are uh, you know that's that's us sitting in the back room, uh, 
you know, telling really bad jokes, looking up bad jokes online, <laughs> buying dad joke books, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and just you know, <laughs> picking the ones that that we think oh will will make them react. But uh, the pairings uh, are important. Uh, you you've seen it, um, mm-hmm. you know, pairing up some of those guys that will get each other to kind of pull that out. Um, that definitely takes a little insight, and we've got a couple good guys that that work closely with the the players that that help to set up the the pairings for that. But I mean, I don't know if you're referring even to uh, like a, a Bradley Zimmer uh, Tyler Naquin combination. Like some of the deliveries are awful, but those guys just stare at each other and make each other laugh just by looking at each other. So it's like that that was the that that was the one I was referencing because that one was like. You can tell it was kind of awkward, but it was just the way they like they forced it was just so it still made you laugh. And then you have ones like we had guys that were just I think it was like Shane Bieber and someone else. Or I forget who it was. It was like just guys who were just they, the way they delivered was so perfect they, that you were just like you had to roll your eyes because the joke was so corny, but it was still funny at the same mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> no, that's that's really awesome. So. Is there any, like, I don't know if you can divulge anything, but is there anything like that coming in the pipeline? Do you have guys more doing more dad jokes or something like that with the guys coming up in the future? Or is that a lot of yeah. wait, wait, and see, like, when you guys put stuff out? Like, how's so that? We like? didn't do dad jokes this past spring training. Uh, we ended up doing uh, something that still hasn't aired yet, and, and I don't know if it will. You know, some, sometimes it gets tough when you get this far away from it, but uh, – it was a yeah it was actually I thought it was pretty funny we we paired guys up again but we uh, we had them with uh, an oculus one of the VR headsets uh, and they okay. were playing fruit ninja uh, <laughs> oh nice. and the way I mean nice. the you know so one would go and the other could see what they were doing and and they would you know critique them or, or give them pointers along the way and you know it I think it brought out as much humor as as the dad jokes did but uh, it just, it, you know, it was kind of a different style. You know, we, we had done dad jokes, I think, two or three years in a row at that point. So we were just looking for right. something new to, you know, something a little fresh. But uh, hopefully we can resurrect the the VR stuff at some point and, and put that out. Yeah, no, I think it would be really cool. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen this, like that lightsaber dual thing that they have going on where it's like, you sync it to whatever music and you know, like have to cut the block yes. with like lightsabers. You know what I'm talking yep. about? That would be really interesting. I, you know, cause like VR, you can pretty much do a lot of stuff. Like you said, you know, fruit ninja or like the lightsaber duels. That'd be really fun. Well, so I, yeah, I was just curious. I was just curious because if, if you guys had any ideas right now, or is it just kind of like, kind of, you know, you guys are still brainstorming right now. So that's a, Everything that's, that's a on. good segue to your. You had a question of what we do once the season is over, um, and those those right exactly those yes. brainstorms happen uh, now between now and kind of uh, November December time frame is is when we start uh, planning uh, all of that kind of stuff. So okay. once the season ends, uh, you know October uh, is a lot of wrapping things up, making thank you videos, recap videos, award videos, uh, budgets and business plannings are due in the fall. So a lot of, you know, time and thought is spent around that. But once everything is kind of, once all the formal things are kind of approved, that's when we start planning for the upcoming season. So, um, you know, hopefully within the next few months, we'll, we'll kind of have a plan on what we're going to try to do at spring training next year. (laughs) You know, even though we don't know what spring training is going to look like, we're at least going to go in with a kind of plan. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was curious of how that worked out. Cause I know a couple weeks ago we were talking like, you know, trying to knock down a time frame for you. Cause I know you said that you had a bunch of stuff going on with the department. So like, so, so stuff like that, mostly it's just winding stuff down, getting like, like you said, graphics done and all that finalized. So when's the usual time frame that you guys are like when the season ends to when you guys are out of the building and quote unquote done for the off, you know, done, until spring training like how's that like how's that time for you to work with the last game t- to whenever it's time to like all right time to shut it off we're not thinking baseball for a few months like what's that period like for you yeah guys? there's not really that much downtime um you know we get through october and that's the business and budget planning um and we hit november mm-hmm. um you know the october november time frame is is the kind of the brainstorming planning as well um and, you know, you know, it is a real thing in December. You know, we've got a lot of vacation time saved up at that point. Um, you know, it's hard for us to take days off during the season. But, uh, you right. know, a lot of that vacation time comes out in December. Um, and then, you know, we usually have a week or two leading into New Year's. Um, but when we get to January, um, you know, we really hit the ground running creating new content. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole graphic design package. Uh, it's a whole... Um, video package and, and we're prepping for spring training so you know we get back in january and and we need to be ready and buttoned mm-hmm. up for you know mid-february so you know the okay. the downtime happens in kind of you know december middle to late december uh and then you know january okay. is really you know and that's that's enough that's you know a couple weeks there really recharges the batteries and you hit the ground running in, in january right yeah for sure because yeah. i know you guys are probably like you get those couple of weeks off and then after a while you're like, all right, I want to get, you know, I want to get rolling again, getting back in that mindset. You want to, it's like, you want to try to get back into your groove sooner rather than later. So that's like, that's how it usually is for you guys. Just after a couple of weeks, it's like, all right, it's time to turn it on. Let's get it back going. Is that how it's usually like for you guys? Like you said, around that time of like January. Yep. All right. It's, it's go time. Yeah, for absolutely. I mean, things definitely wind down in, in, uh, you know, the end, you know, around Thanksgiving on, um, things are winding down, but, you know, uh, you know, in a, in a typical year, we're still going in, you know, most days of the week, uh, you know, unless, unless you have a vacation day, right. uh, or you, you know, you have some kind of planned day off. Um, it is, you know, still nine to five throughout the off season. Okay. So, so, so that goes into my next question. So you guys do have somewhat have meetings over the off season and then it kind of gets quiet. Then oh, you're yeah. like, then when, when, when do you guys start getting back? Do you, do you guys have weekly meetings, like, at the back half of, like, let's say this year? And then do you guys start ramping up more meetings, like, say, January and, like, early February before they report to spring training? Like, how does that usually work on a weekly thing for you guys in terms of getting together and starting to brainstorm and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have a few – I mean, even now we have a few meetings a week uh, – that that's you know depending on who it is you know we're we're either meeting with our our larger um you know production group or our you know my smaller team you know four or five guys meet you know every monday uh morning just to kind of talk about what's going on that week what needs to be made in social what needs to be made for tv that kind of stuff um and then you know we're meeting with the people you know with the brand department for you know commercials once a week we're meeting with our social team once a week um you know you know it kind of fills out the schedule but uh there are definitely quite a few weekly meetings and you know in a typical year we've got uh tribe fest for that we're planning for so a lot of that happens in november december Mm -hmm. and then you know is executed in january at some point so 
Right. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, probably not this year, but it's like on a typical season. So you guys usually do a lot of meetings at the ballpark and, or is it mostly like a combination of meeting there and then doing it online? And now I'm assuming it's probably a lot of Zoom. Yeah, meetings, yeah, I everything guess. is a Zoom meeting. Like how, like, how, like how's, how's yeah, that? I love the Zoom meetings. Right. By the way, I'm I'm 100% in on these. You know, <laughs> you know, when you're working, you know, as many hours as I do during the season, and you don't have to wake up after you know getting home at like midnight. You don't have to be at the ballpark at 9 a.m. for that that next day's meeting, and you can just kind of roll out of bed and, <laughs> and turn on your camera and your pajamas. Like I'm in on that. I I love that format. So we'll see how it goes once everything goes back to normal. Um, I'm sure that we'll yeah, be doing right. you know more Zoom meetings at least to start, um, even once things get back to normal. But uh, yeah, I mean for you know in a regular season we're we're meeting at the ballpark. You know we're going in throughout the off season. You know every day of the week and, and having those meetings there and and while we're not uh, going in now, we're still at least doing it through Zoom. Yeah, right for sure. Yeah, so I'm curious. So you said so. Are you so you usually walk rocking like the pajama, like the pajama pants, and like the and like the Indians polo shirt, or is it like just like anything Indians T-shirt related? Like you're you're rocking that type of combo, I'm assuming, or is it just whatever? yeah? I mean, our attire at the ballpark is probably a little more formal than it is on a Zoom. You know, I think uh, yeah, I'm, wearing, right. I'm wearing khakis and a in a sweater or a polo, like you said. But uh, when I'm at home, man, it's it's definitely t-shirt or hoodie, kind of kind of get up. Hey, no, hey, nothing wrong with that. It gets more like you said, gets more spend more time with your family and stuff like that too. So you can you don't have to worry about the community. I love stuff. it. Nothing yeah. wrong with that for sure. So I, I know you mentioned earlier about um, rally together and stuff like that. So who, how's, how are those beings usually go? I'm, I know this isn't really a question I had written down, but like the stuff you bring up gives me more questions. Sure. And I know we, and I've had you on for a while now, but um, so how does that use, how's that process usually work with coming up for the certain slogan for the season, like rally together that we had from, you know, 16, I think for was like, what, into like 18 or 19, I think, or is it this year? I know we had rally together for a while and then we had our tribe this year. So like, what's that process like of getting that certain hashtag slogan going for that? Yeah. 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 So you're right. Rally together started in 16. Uh, It actually, that, that season started with uh, an only here uh, slogan and then rally together came out in our postseason kind of run. Uh, and then it was so good. People loved it so much. We, we definitely, and there was so much, I think we could still build around it. You know, the team was still building up at that point. So it made a lot of sense to hold on to it, but those, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Those conversations are very in depth. There's a lot of time and research and, and, uh, thought power that goes into our brand year after year. And, And we have a brand department that, uh, really puts a lot of time and energy into, um, the, the conversation that goes around that. So myself, uh, our copywriter, who's also in our department, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, our, we'll call it lead producer, who does a lot of the editing and filming for those. Uh, the three of us kind of meet with our brand team weekly um, and, and try to figure out exact, you know, everything from what the, the campaign is going to be to, um, you know, the media buys that go into it after that. Um, and, you know, there's, 
there is a lot of lot of meetings, a lot, lot of conversation. It's not something that we take uh, lightly anymore. Um, we we start those conversations on what the what the brand looks like. Uh, you know, really in September of of the previous season, you know, we, we want to make sure that if there's an opportunity to, to capture something or film something with our fans at the ballpark for that commercial, that, that we're doing it at least with, you know, in that last month of the season. Um, so, you know, those conversations, you know, if you're, if you're thinking that you're filming for, for next year's commercial campaign in September, kind of back time from there, you know, you're really starting to have like, what does that campaign look like in, in the July, August timeframe trying to finalize that. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, go, go okay. into that last month of the season. And then, you know, it's, it's a lot of testing. Um, there's, we do um, focus group testing um, and we do uh, quantitative testing uh, online as well uh, with our spots just to see how they resonate and, you know, what the feedback is there. And those start running usually sometime around the spring training timeframe. Um, we usually try to kick some things off uh, around tribe fest, but uh you know, it's, it's kind of, again, dependent on that year's, you know, the way the team, the makeup is and, and the, the outlook for that season is and, and really the fan sentiment around the team um, when we start that conversation, if you will, uh, with uh, the commercial campaign. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. And that's, again, that's that's one of the things why I'm so proud that, you know, we, we do all that in-house. Um, you know, a lot of teams outsource that, that side of, of things, you know, whether it's that or the graphic design side of it. Um, it's a lot to take on as an in-house team with a, with a small, small team in a small market. And again, the people that we have in this organization that, that put the thought around that and execute on it are, are top notch. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I said before, that's something that I'm really proud of with how, with how this team is and what you guys do. It's, I, you know, I'm not trying, you know, blow smoke or anything like that, but it's like, it's, I would say, what you guys do is probably the best bar none that no other team can touch. And I'm so glad that with you and your department and the, and the, you know, all the other departments, I'm so glad that you guys do it for the Indians. Cause I don't know any other team that does a great job like that. So I really appreciate what you guys do. I, don't, I, I know you guys don't probably get enough love, but I'm saying for me, I appreciate what you guys do. Cause it's phenomenal what you guys do on, on a yearly basis. It's amazing. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. No, for sure. So my so with our tribe, how did that come about? Like I'm really curious because I thought that was really interesting how that was this year's slogan. So is there like it, it, what can you tell us about that for how our tribe became the thing for 2020? Yeah, you know, it, it really came down to uh, you know, we decided that it was time to move on from rally together. It was time to come mm-hmm. up with uh something else that uh that our fans could, could hopefully hold on to. Um, and, and the word tribe is something that, that we have seen that just resonates mm-hmm. well. Um, and, you know, from there, it really was, you know, what, what makes, what makes our fans um, uh, special. And that was their uniqueness. And it was, and it was about all of these unique individuals and personalities that make up, you know, the players on the field and the fans and the seats Um and that just kind of turned into, you know, you know, we just kind of kept saying it, uh, you know, it's, it's our tribe. It's, it's the people that make up what make this great. And, you know, what's great is uh, I think that, 
it, you know, whether you're talking about the team on the field or the people in the stands or them collectively as a whole, like it is really, you know, I, I feel like it, it hits the mark on, on what we're saying is our tribe. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's really phenomenal. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was really great. So, um, so I don't know if you can tell, I don't know if you can say anything about this is, is this something that might stay for the 2021 season? Or are you guys thinking about maybe changing it to something else? Do you guys know about that yet? Or is it still kind of feeling it out at we'll see as we go type thing? Yeah, I'm going to have to plead the fifth on this one, but I can tell you that we've definitely had conversation around it already. So you'll. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I no, I, I totally understand. Yeah, I like I, I figured you probably couldn't answer this question. I was I was just throwing it out there to see you know if it, if if you knew or if you were able to say anything on it. So totally understandable. <laughs> I totally get it. No no worries here. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean I'd love to be able to talk to you in depth about all that kind of stuff, but that one will have to wait until uh, maybe next year. Hey, you know what? I would love to have you on again next year. You know, it'd be great for sure. I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, what does happen, but no, I, I totally again, if we can get you on again, that'd be, that'd be great. Cause you know, I've been really enjoying this. I, you know, I appreciate you so much for taking, you know, the last hour and 40 minutes of us recording to do this. So, you know, you know, you, you got all the stuff that's going on with the team and, you know, your, you know, personal life and stuff like that. So, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on and, you know, give us some insight of like what you do and you know, all the stuff around the team and players and, you know, the personalities. It's, I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this, man. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to help. And I, you know, I'm always, I'm always here for a conversation and, and to connect and, and give some insight and, you know, some transparency into what we do as an organization. So um, I'm happy to help. Yeah, for sure. I think that I think that's something that a lot of fans will love to hear about because you don't because there's a lot of things you don't get to see behind the scenes. Like all you see is just what the social media puts out, like what's on TV and stuff like that. But to get the actual like behind the scenes, you know, like the the operations behind what the team does and the transparency, I think that's something that a lot of people love to clamor about and love to hear about. So yeah, thank you, um, thank you so much for that. So um, you know, I took enough of your time. Uh, you know, I do want to wrap up this podcast. So where can people find you, you know, find the Indians on all the social medias and stuff. So um, yeah, drop all the socials of where they can find you and the team at um, in, in the Indians and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we're at Indians. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have a, you know, the, I don't know what you call it on Instagram. Is it an ad? It's probably not an ad on Instagram. Is it? It's just Indians on Instagram. Uh, we've got, yeah, something, something like we've that. Got, we've <laughs> got a great Facebook page too. Um, you know, those, those are really our three big platforms that we put things out at. Um, I'm on, uh, Twitter at, at N Gambone. Uh, and then I'm on uh, Instagram, I think is Gambone 10. Uh, so that's where you can find me as well. All right. Awesome. Um, yeah. Is there any like foundations or inspiration pages that people need to follow as well? You know, anything like that, to, you know, help, you know, bring awareness to anything for Indians fans to get behind for the, with the, with the team. Yeah. You know, we do have a really good um, Indians. Uh, what is it called? They're going to, they're going to shoot me for this, but uh, we, we have a, a, a tribe inspires, um, and I, and I wish I knew what that at Indians was. 
Might be Tribe Inspires. Um, I think I think that's what it is. I- Sorry for putting you on the no, spot. No, no worries. Like, it yeah, is. Just... Tribe Inspires um, is something that we've been okay. really trying to push out. Official account of the Indians community efforts. Uh, and that's that's where you can find a lot of our um, our outreach and our, our kind of uh, what we're trying to do with our community there. Yeah, no, you know, that's really awesome. I, mean, I, I figure I ask, you know, you know, for fans to get behind that as well, because what you guys do as, a, as an organization is to help out other communities and stuff like that. I figure, you know, why not give some love to, yeah, a lot to those. I appreciate well. that. And in one of the things with our community efforts, you know, we, we actually refocused some firepower there this past year. And, and I don't know if you've seen a difference or anything, but uh, it's definitely something that's going to continue to grow for us and hopefully really, really start to snowball this next couple of years. Uh, years. Yeah, no, I, I have noticed that. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about that real quick, I'm, I would, I would love for, uh, you know, just to get you know let fans aware of what's going on if you uh, if you have anything to on that front to talk about um yeah I, you, know, you know i think one of the things is, is 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 we've just tried to really uh take uh and and make it more um more uh, apparent to our you know our fans and our community that of what we're doing you know we've always done i think a lot of really good work in the community um but it never has really lived in one place to kind of showcase all of that so you know if you if you do go follow that tribe inspires on twitter you'll see quite a bit of what i'm talking about and you know that's everything from you know getting out voting initiatives which is something i don't think we ever would have done in the past um to you know our 50 50 raffle this year was insane um some of oh yeah i noticed that that was crazy all of the all of the efforts that have been put behind it is just it's just been refocusing on on how to get more awareness around it and, and i think it's it's really taken off this year yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I know you guys did the, um, the you guys redid the logo for the bullying uh, campaign, which I thought was really mm-hmm. um, amazing too. So yeah, that's really great. So yeah, no, I you know I follow the tribe Inspire, and I would agree that a lot of people need to follow that just to you know get behind some stuff and know what the team's doing. So no, I I appreciate you you know letting people know about that because I think that's something that's that's really important. So you know I really you know appreciate you taking the time out to you know give those guys some, you know, like, Hey, you know, follow this as well. Not just the team, but you know, what's going on in our community, but that will wrap up the podcast tonight. Like I said, Nick, thank you so much for coming on, man, for uh, taking the time out to, you know, give us some insights behind the team and all that great stuff. Yeah, Thanks for having thank me so much for doing it. All right. So, you know, you can catch Nick on Twitter, all the Indians accounts and stuff like that. You know where that's at. You know, all Indians fans probably know where that's at. That should be no given. <laughs> but um, you can catch me on Twitter at uh, RyeTribe22, R-Y-T-R-I-B-E 22. I know Shocker, Tribe in the name. I mean, hello. Uh, you know, I do run a podcast for the Indians. <laughs> but you can catch the podcast also at Rockin' of the Jake on Twitter. We do a show every Sunday. So, once I'm done here with Nick, uh, you know, if you're hearing this podcast, you know that it dropped on Sunday night per usual. But until next Sunday, we will see you at Rockin' at the Jig.